Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. Friday edition of OutKick 360 is here. Live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here. Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com will be with us. In the final hour of today's show, we'll discuss the reported capacity in Neyland Stadium, Tennessee headlines, SEC discussion, and Arch Manning going to UT. But Texas, we'll, we'll discuss all of that with Brent coming up in hour number three. Bobby Carpenter in about an hour and 15 minutes from now, and a lot to discuss in hour number one with the NBA draft, Alvin Kamara, and much more. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I must admit, I watched way more of the NBA draft than I expected last night. I was determined to get to the Knicks pick at 11. Um, I did not make it. I was disgusted by the whole experience. You can't, uh, you can't figure out what the hell's going on with any trade that comes around, which didn't really start until after the Knicks. But I was disgusted by the telecasts. Uh, and, and I'll say it, and I've got no, no meaning about it. I, I would have loved to have seen Rachel Nichols. I, I would have loved to have seen uh, any number of, of women or women of color um, on the telecast. That's not my beef. But Malika Andrews came across to me like a, a college kid doing it. She said, this is what it's all about. Every time she saw a player hug his mother and – it's not her decision, it's a production decision, but they were replaying hugs like it was highlights. Let's look at this again. And it's, it's, uh, it, it's a player hugging his mother. I didn't need to see it the first time, but seeing it a second time replayed like it was something to behold in there, as if there's some technique to the hug or it was a super emotional moment. I, I can't stand the mother-parent storyline anyway. I understand I'm an extremist on that, but if you're going to play for me all night, 60 parent hugs with sons, I, I, I'm sick of it. I understand each of these guys have parents and they've made it through the thing, but it's way more than I could bear. I, it's, I was uh, it's, tired. It's the second most popular and really the, only the second only two drafts, yeah, really, that we NHL care about. Yeah, because NHL and NBA and, and MLB um, go but, to a minor league. But the the differences in anticipation, broadcast style, and it's on the same network. It used to be great. Um, it is vastly different compared to how they go about the the NFL draft, and that that's what surprises me is the production elements that work so well for the NFL draft, and it's the it's ESPN that's that's handling this, and it it's treated. I mean. The pick isn't even really the storyline in a weird way. Like, as soon as the pick is made, they are off to the next team and discussing who Jay Billis and anyone on the set believes is going to, Kendrick Perkins, believes is going to be the next pick when 
You've got Woj already tweeting out who the pick's going to be, and you know that these guys are wrong when they talk about it on the set. The whole setup is bizarre. They don't play the hits that work so well with the NFL draft almost on purpose, trying on uh, purposefully not to be the NFL when it just makes them look more staged. If that, like the whole broadcast seems very staged to me. Um, even from Adam Silver and the goofy hug that he gives um, and the, the way they, they cover these guys as they take the stage and they don't even talk to them until you know maybe 30 minutes later. It's, it's all very strange. So the Frenchman the Knicks drafted, I immediately went and read excellent capsules at ESPN.com about. I don't know how long it takes for me to learn that he's never going to play at Madison Square Garden except as a guest. <laughs> and then I go to... Uh, you know, this is two, three hours later when I'm going to bed and I find ESPN's draft grade thing that, by the way, is for insiders only. Uh, I'm an insider. I read it. It, it. it makes the three-way trade that the Knicks are involved in. And, and in the early stages, what the Knicks are getting back in this trade, it says G- TBD. Chad, you know what's... Can you, you know imagine that in the NFL? You know it's bad, and I want to get to this trade stuff. Um, you know it's bad when Scott Van Pelt is on after the draft, and he has better coverage of the draft than the actual draft broadcast. Uh, with his interviews and his takes from what happened literally an hour and a half ago. Like, it's so much better as a recap than it is a live broadcast. And part of the element that's missing, Paul, and you're, you're dead on, and it's every year. We can play this on a loop next year. Is their coverage of what's going on with these trades. Because the, the way the, the NBA sets this up, it has to be approved by the league office with the, the trades, and those aren't finalized for a certain period of time. A ridiculous right? period. And it, like, it, you hear monetary considerations. Like That's not a part. And I'm comparing to the, the NFL because, again, that's the draft we watch. And the NFL's too slow with it. Yeah, but, but you at least but know the trade's happening, and this. then the team selecting the player makes the selection. It's not the team that just traded the pick making the selection, handing out a ball cap, and then on the ticker, it doesn't say the, it, the it, wrong it, team. You know, if, if, if the Broncos trade with the Seahawks for a draft pick, it's going to say that Denver selected that player, not the New York Knicks, when they trade with the Pistons, for instance. Like, the whole thing is backwards, starting with the broadcast decisions. And then, Chad, the, the element of surprise this year was different than in years past at the top of the draft. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of intrigue with it that hooks you. You guys are forcing me to break out my notepad here of all the problems I had with the broadcast <laughs> as you were talking about it. Oh, where to begin? So I'm watching last night, the, at least the first part of it, uh, with some family here in town at dinner. And one of my uncles, Chris, is there watching with me. He's a huge Atlanta Braves from Atlanta, huge Atlanta sports fan, big-time sports guy. And he turns to me at one point and says, why doesn't NBA treat this anywhere close to the way, or why doesn't ESPN treat the NBA draft anywhere close to the level they treat the NFL draft? Much like you were talking about. They really need to NFL draft this thing up a little bit, which, which I agreed with. And look, I know that it's the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and they were paying homage to that with Malik Andrews. Paul, you hit on it. Sage Steele would have been terrific in that role. Uh, that is a woman of color that could have done it. There are any a number of people that would have done a much better job than Malik Andrews. I don't think Malik Andrews is terrible. She was terrible last night. She's 27 years old. Um, she 
miss some important and very key obvious things that if you are a storyteller or someone that's paid to communicate over a microphone or on air, you should know. I'll give you one example. Uh, when Marjan Beauchamp was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks, they go immediately to this graphic about all the places he went to in high school, played at like six or seven high schools. And she says that we got to get to this story. This story is amazing for Marjan Beauchamp. These are all the places he's played in high school. And then that's really it. I don't know why he played at these places. I don't know if he's just a malcontent kid. Turns out I go read stories. He was just looking for better competition is why he moved around to four area Seattle high schools and then went to Glendale, Arizona at one point and played. Uh, Did not give us that bit of info as the kid was crying when he was drafted. Uh, Look, there were just so many little things that add up to big things. The one good part of this draft, um, I think two of them actually. Jay Billis is Jay Billis. He's solid. Who's good. He played his role perfectly. Had good analysis of every player, especially the college players. Um, and now I'm blanking on the guy's name, but the, the NBA front office insider that was there. Maybe Sharp is his last name. He just signed a multi-year deal with, with ESPN. I thought he was good. The guy next to Woj throughout the broadcast. Bobby Sharp. Bobby Sharp, thank you, was, was good as well. Um, Kendrick Perkins, they are trying their hardest to make him Charles Barkley. He's not Charles Barkley. I don't know what he is as a broadcaster. I know what he was as a player. Uh, he is not good. I heard him coughing half the night on mic where they wouldn't mute him when it went to someone else. Well, that's uh, not his fault. No, that's right. That, that's production's fault. But it's an ESPN problem. Because I think it's pretty clear ESPN wants him to be their Charles Barkley. Because he's the outspoken one. He's the He's got the southern drawl. He talks slower. He is ESPN Barkley, and he's not nearly as good and not nearly as accomplished as Charles Barkley as a player coming into this spot. And I thought it was just off. When it went from Malika Andrews to Kendrick Perkins to Jay Billis, that dynamic was really off. Explain this to me. How, how is anybody served by this? The, the Knicks at 11, and obviously every year at the draft, I'm trying to get back into the Knicks, right? Uh, every NBA entry point, I'm trying to find a way to get back into the Knicks. So I'm waiting for the Knicks at 11. They draft Usman Yank, or Jeng, uh, who's a Frenchman who played for the New Zealand Breakers. Treasure Hunter with Brad Pitt. Yes. Okay. It is still listed in the draft results at ESPN.com that they drafted Usman Jang at 11. There's a Knicks symbol next to his name. He's on the thunder. I know. And that, what that's, does, what is, how does this help anyone? This is a resource device. If I'm going to find out who's on my team, this is inaccurate. Here's the. It makes no sense. If it takes three hours, it takes three hours. But now he's on the Thunder, and this says he's on the Knicks. But the NBA, I guess, has to make it official. That—that's what's so bizarre with it is their their timeline of how they approve these trades through the league office. Here's here's the big issue. If I want want, though to go buy the jersey of the new Nick, there is no new Nick. They came out of last night with no one. They traded a ton. Yeah, the the only analysis you were getting on the Knicks last night on their picks was through Stephen A. Smith and how they traded away. Who pledged for another? He pledged this before he was not going to the Garden again, and now he pledged last night he's not going to the Garden again. Stop pledging dumb stuff. You're going to the Garden again. 
Well, you're so, going to the garden when your employer tells you to go. Do you have a broadcast there at any point, too? So here, here's the main disconnect with the NBA draft itself, like the broadcast and why it really, in the grand scheme of things, is more, it's closer to the NHL and Major League Baseball than it is the NFL. They got to the 15th pick. And to preview the 15th selection in the 2022 NBA draft, they prefaced it by saying, before you think that it's all about the lottery and all of the top stars are gone, here are the current superstars in the NBA that were drafted 15th or later. Like They had to qualify that selection at number 15 to tell you why to stick with the remainder of the first round. In the grand scheme of things, they're setting it up to tell you the vast majority of what's about to happen an hour after the draft starts. You're probably not going to see these dudes. And it was Mark Williams of Duke who played in the Final Four. But you get my, my yeah. overall yeah, point yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we're, we're, we're analyzing the 74th pick in the NFL draft like it's number three overall in some cases. It's like actually it, funny, though, Hutt, because the next two, four, six, eight, nine guys there actually came out of Division One college basketball, which is rare before you got to a G League Ignite guy but they, they who have we to, don't know about. Like, there, there is just not the same parallels with how we expect these first-round picks to really end up on, on rosters and well, the impact in, they're going to make. So it's not the, it's closer to the in Major League Baseball and NHL in this regard. You're not really expecting these guys to contribute next year. No. And when I say next year, in, in four months. Like that, that's, they're telling you these guys are not going to be a factor for a little while. Well, and look, you're more likely to see them in the D-League. The, the, uh, the draft and the TV show suck. But the draft is not what it was because of one year in college, because Europe and international have become so big, and because the G League is now a factor. So there are plenty of these guys that... G-League, thank you. I said D-League. Yeah, well, same difference. Gatorade Plenty of these guys that we don't know or care about or have any investment in, even the very best of of the NCAA guys we've seen for a year, as opposed to, uh, you know, back in the day when Patrick Ewing was the number one pick, right. when Hakeem Olajuwon was, was in, in the draft. We had a massive investment, not just in those guys, but the team that was getting them was transformed. The team that's getting Banchero you know, is getting better, but they're not, getting, they're not going from terrible to fantastic with, with one pick. When the Knicks got Patrick Ewing, that was changing the fabric of their franchise undoubtedly undoubtedly that doesn't exist anymore well and also you've got you mentioned the one and done element of it and now you've got this nba g league ignite program that is playing an exhibition schedule against g league opponents affiliated with the nba you would think that'd be on tv more this is uh drawing some eyeballs considering the talent i mean it's it's a it's a developmental school you know, these guys are going and playing. Instead of going in college, they're getting paid money to go to Walnut Creek, California and train for next year's draft. I know, but if four of those guys are, are getting drafted last night. But one of them's in the first round, right? They made a big deal. It's a great night for the G League Ignite, and I'm thinking two of the guys Marjan are way Bochamp. lower than people think they would have gone had they gone to college. To the Bucks, And 24. played a year in college had they done that. And Bochamp's the guy I'm talking yeah. about that played the from Bucks. Yakima Valley. But here's the – Scottie Pippen Jr., undrafted. Isaiah Brockington, great player at Iowa State, undrafted. Johnny Juzang, 
One of the heroes of Terrific. UCLA's run, undrafted. Kofi Coburn, undrafted from Illinois. These college stars that are there multiple years going undrafted. And I look at a guy like Scottie Pippen Jr. Didn't get drafted. I look at a guy like Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee staying in the state that we're in right now. Both of those guys make triple. They make triple in NIL if they stay at their school. How long did it take I us mean, think to about learn that for a Kennedy second, Chandler's destination? We should have oh, put a too, clock on Too that. long. Hours? Yeah, Spurs. It was Spurs to Grizzlies was the transition. Spurs pick Grizzlies player for Kennedy Chandler. But, I mean, we said this when Scottie Pippen Jr. made this decision. You know that Vanderbilt could have put a package together in NIL to get him back for another year. That would have made way more sense than trying to play in the G League for a year, and you would have made more money. Same goes for Chandler at Tennessee. I, I look at, I see some of this, guys, and I hope, honestly, my hope from this is you see stories like that, and it compels guys to stay in college well, a little while. They should totally set mind, it up. Though, you could go back. Keep in mind, if though, you don't get uh, Brandon Wright, well, I, I asked him the last time he was in with us what the monetary value of the G League is to a player that's trying to decide whether or not to go and be on that team versus play in college. And he said it's you would need to entice a player nowadays for a million and a half to two million dollars in NIL. So it's it's doable, especially at the the major power uh, program. For some of those guys you listed. Um, and especially if you're transferring. Like uh, like Pippen. Yeah. If Scotty Pippen Jr. is not gonna make two million dollars in NIL at Vanderbilt. But if he's on the open transfer portal and he decides to land at the at the highest bidder, like I mean that's basically what he's doing now he's playing for the la lakers in a two-way contract um you know there, there are ways to go about it but it, i don't know if it's every player that has to make that decision based on just the monetary impact of why you go and you're willing to be a second round pick um as opposed to just staying in college for the extra year and potentially waiting 12 months and going into the draft as a first-round pick where you get some guaranteed salary. What's the danger for the NBA if these guys don't get drafted? The guys that you just listed, Chad, are going to be competing for 12th man-ish role at best, right? So what's the danger for the NBA to say, if you don't get drafted, you can go back? I, I think that's a rule you, that, that on its face makes a lot of sense. Well, college has to allow it. Yeah, well, and you can do that if you don't sign with an agent. That's the issue. They all want to sign with an agent, yeah, and get well, paid, I to go think work even out. Even if you sign with an agent, I, I you agree. Be I, I think if back. there maybe there's a payback program, or you put it on layaway. I don't know how that would work, yeah, but either put way, it in escrow. Yeah, but it's <clears throat> there's a way to do that. Now, the average salary in G League is one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. A nice livable way. The biggest salary last year was Sharif Cooper, who made four hundred sixty-two thousand dollars. A, a very year. livable wage. I, I'm. I don't think I'm crazy to say that Kennedy Chandler could have made a million dollars in NIL to come back to well, Tennessee. Certainly could have on made possible, 425 on a possible, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four caliber team that right now is going to get some picks to win the SEC. That could have been an SEC favorite or close to it with him. With him, I just and we mentioned Scottie Pippen. Even if not at Vanderbilt, if Scottie Pippen Jr. decides to transfer to North Carolina, mm-hmm. I'm just throwing a school or Arizona or Gonzaga. I mean, there are plenty of places where he's going to make that or more and get spotlight. This kind of goes back to you, our discussion, Paul, about, you know, games matter to you. Like missing games, a quarterback should matter to NFL players. And it shouldn't just be about the money. Let's t- say the money's even, even if it's $450,000 in NIL to come back. You're playing. 
You are playing in high-profile games in front of a lot of people. As opposed Is there to no sitting. value to that? It's not even sitting. It's playing in front of empty arenas in the G League, not on television. I mean, there is value to me to being playing on ESPN on a Saturday night against the Kentucky Wildcats at Rupp Arena. That's awesome. Isn't that why you get into sports in the beginning when you watch it as a kid? Is that maybe one day you're playing in those well, also, games? Also, doesn't it raise your stock in a year? I don't think you're doing getting into basketball to play for the G League Ignite program in Walnut Creek, California. Do you think it raises your stock in a year, or do you think, oh, there's a whole new pool in a year and it pushes me down? Here's the deal. I don't think Kennedy Chandler's stock is going to raise that much. He needs to be a better free throw shooter. You can get better at that in a year. Uh, He got hot from three in the end of the year. I'd like to see more consistency throughout a season with him. He's not going to grow. He's going to be too small for most people throughout. so and another draft class pushes him down because there's going to be another dozen of those guys. The risk is injury. You know, you have some really bad injury and you go undrafted the next year instead of second round. Does the NBA know there's a problem here? Are they blind to it? Because it feels like they're blind to it. I, don't I mean, know. know that they care. I think they, they see the... I mean, they have... this. I've long said I would love for an NBA franchise to be in Nashville because they have the well, superstar the quality. passing through. But that's... I mean, that's the... That's the the the, ground, the the crown jewel of the league, though. Is sure. Every team has the superstar player that is able to sustain whatever market they're in. But don't you look at the NBA and, and say they've created a year-round calendar for themselves and here's something that used to be a big event for us and we've turned it into crap and everybody's spending today, if they're listening, complaining about it. I think the, the But they're not option. complaining about it. That, that's the thing. They have these media guys who just regurgitate this line. Jay Billis, right after the first pick was made, said, you know what, everyone watching, we really have three number one overall picks tonight. It's really three. No, Jay, it's one. It's one because none of the three stood out enough to be the number one overall pick this year. 75% of America can't tell you who the number one pick was last year. I can't. So, that, it, Kate Cunningham. But that, that's the point, is that the, the intrigue of the here and now with the young crop doesn't pay off for the league until three, four years down the road. And by that time, they're getting a max contract where they are or they're, they're opting out and demanding some sign-in uh, uh, contract and trade agreement where they're uh, they're shipped out and they're headed to another team. Like there's so there's such a churn with these guys in the league now. I don't think they view this whole draft process as a problem as much as it is because they have everyone preaching their message, which is man these these guys are just elite talents who are gonna they're, they're in it. They've just set themselves up for life and and really they're not really a storyline now until two or three years down the road at best. That's right? the thing. And those are the three years that they used to be Unless, in college but and get, I, I, get to NBA caliber. I'll go back to the perfect scenario for both leagues, honestly. I think from a risk assessment standpoint, for NBA teams drafting guys and for players when they're young, go to the college baseball model, either straight out of high school or three years minimum. If you go to college, you're playing for three years. Three years out of college, you can enter the draft. If you get drafted out of high school and you're good enough to go, like every other American at 18 years old, go and work yeah. and go to the draft like Kobe Bryant did, like LeBron James did. Let those top 10 to 12 guys, realistically, they'll probably get drafted Too many in the try. first two rounds. Others won't. will go on. But that's life. 
Like, I'm also, I'm not one to sit there and say, we have to hold the hand of 18-year-old basketball phenoms and make sure they make the right decision. That's on them. If they enter the draft and they think they're a first-round pick and they go undrafted, that is on them. And they end up in the G League or in Europe. I I honestly think, again, going back to what you said before, find a way for them to go to college if they go undrafted. Then enter the college system for three years. Give a chance for – it's like in in baseball, you don't really have to declare. You get drafted. They talk about draftability, signability in baseball, right? Right. If I'm a high school shortstop, I might get drafted in the 14th they round by the Minnesota it. Twins. They just know. I may have a scholarship to go to Ole Miss, and I decide between the two at that point. And it's another reason NFL is king, because you just need the physical development, so the three years are mandatory, and it, they step I, I, in, in a pile of lucky doo-doo. I think that scenario is best for both leagues, college basketball and the NBA. Yeah, I agree. you got guys way more ready-made with a bigger body of work to choose from, and if you want to go the high school route, you could, you could base your whole team around the philosophy of we're going to get 18-year-olds, five-star players that we believe are going to come in and develop them and have a team full of guys that get the clock started quicker on their career. And that's fine, too. It's, it's pick whatever route you want to go for a team. Coming up, Alvin Kamara is facing an NFL suspension. We'll discuss that. Plus, first-year NFL coaches tied into, uh, my opinion, on Mike McDaniel, who I, I described uh, in, a, in a column today as he just doesn't care about the outside noise that expect him to fail right out of the gate as a first-time head coach. We'll compare him to the others in the league and take a look at his situation in Miami and the quarterback he's working with. All of that and more straight ahead on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Glad you're with us on this Friday edition from Music City. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Alvin Kamara faces NFL suspension. That's the the, the now storyline on this uh, Friday as um, we await what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. And, Paul, the, the reports are up to uh, potential six games um, based on what happened this offseason at the Pro Bowl. I'm not high on, uh, on the Saints with him. Uh, I, I think a lot of people overrate them. I'm not a... Uh, um, Deshaun Watson, I want to say. I'm not uh, a Jameis Winston guy at all. Um, I'm not a Dennis Allen guy at all. And I went last night, I was telling you guys, I was trying to place some bets on the NBA draft, during the NBA draft, nothing available um, at uh, FanDuel or anywhere. And then I said, well, I just saw the Camara thing. I'm going to go under the win total for the Saints no matter what. And all of the uh, over-unders team-by-team team weren't available to me either. You could bet, like, over-under uh, or, 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 you know, a parlay of these teams are going to win 10 games or AFC or NFC champions or Super Bowl champions, but the over-unders for team-by-team team were down also, which struck me as weird. I would think that would be up from now till opening day. Yes. Um, so maybe that was a glitch or what. I don't know. I'll look for it again over the weekend when I'm in front of the TV at some point. 
Uh, that kills the Saints as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you don't know what you're getting out of Michael Thomas. I know they've added some young talent, but you know, saw Michael Thomas doing box jumps lately. I think people were impressed. I was unimpressed. He's far removed from his injury stuff. Wasn't a very high box jump, and now Kamara, who's one of the most versatile backs in the league, you take him out of the mix for for six games, and I just I don't well, think they're very dynamic. So forgive me for always going back to how things were at the time, because I, I I look back at the, the Deshaun Watson situation last year and compare it to how the NBA or excuse me the NFL is reacting this offseason. But keep in mind this little fact: whenever the suspension is handed down. And I, I do think this matters and deserves some attention. The NFL and police waited until after the Pro Bowl to arrest him at yeah. the site, at the venue. They <laughs> colluded the together. I've forgotten about it. They colluded to make that happen after the game. And in fact, they if they're all about you know conduct detrimental to the league and the personal conduct policy and all this... And now they, they're waiting to see the legal process play out, quote-unquote, which, you know, they, they can say all they want. I, uh, I'm, I'm not condoning anything with this, but at the same time, I hate the fact that the league just makes up things as they go here. First six. As teams are getting set for training camp, instead of as teams are preparing to move on from certain players or players who are not available during the bulk of the offseason. That, that's my biggest issue with it. Quickly, here's their first six, Chad. Uh, Falcons, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Seahawks, Bengals. Not bad. Bengals, tough. Bucks, tough. You know, the rest of them may be handled. Well, and it's, it's going to show the value of Sean Payton. You know, this big $20 million guy, <laughs> supposedly, that everyone in the NFL wants, who I think is a great coach. We start to see, you know, his value to that Saints team. Here's what I hate about this story, guys: is that um, Alvin Kamara, you know, one incident, bad incident, no doubt, not condoning it at all. Something should happen to him through the league, but he already has this knowledge or this expectation of six games with this. And meanwhile, it's just complete mystery with Deshaun Watson. Now you you talked about making the making up as you go. I hate that it's just like okay, it'll, this guy, it'll end up being indefinite for him. Yeah, this guy. Hey, uh, I you know feel like it's going to be six games. That's what but, I'm expecting, and then oh well, who knows with the other one? And that that's this coming from Florio, who says the expectation is up to six games, and it'll be appealed, and who knows what it ends up being. But I mean, he was arrested on felony battery charges right after the game, and it was a big headline then. But it, it also came out that they they knew about this prior to the game even kicking off. and it, The league I, did. The league did, yes. The, the league let him play, knowing an arrest was pending. Right. It's unbelievable. Just unbelievable. I mean, we, we talked about it. about it at the time. I know. And, and so, you know, he's, here he is. He's going into the, what, the final year of his deal. Um, it was uh, originally, uh, excuse me, he just signed an extension after he was going into the final year of his deal. Um, he was banged up last year, and... The Saints have been preparing for him to be back. I'm not saying it's uh, it, it, he shouldn't be suspended in some way based on the way the policy reads, guys. But the time to do this, if you're truly going about it like in a timeline that makes sense to me, with Watson and the Browns, no matter if you agree or disagree with what they gave him contractually, this goes for any player, any team. 
Um, and, and why I harped on it last year with how they let the, the Texans just swing out in limbo with all this. Let the teams know and come up with and make up your mind on determination on if you're going to discipline a player before the legal process plays itself out during the bulk of the offseason instead of the four-week time frame here as teams are getting set after OTAs and minicamps with a 90-man a roster and their biggest players are presumed playing whenever they, that three weeks ago, they were hosting minicamps. I, I, don't, I just don't think the process makes sense with how these news leaks are put out there and the suspension happens as guys return to camp and as, as, as teams have already had the chance to draft a player that could help supplement the loss of said player or sign a player in his absence. Well, I agree with you generally, though I don't think this timetable is bad. They knew something was going to come down, and this isn't up against the start of training camp. But it's been bad for a long, long time. You remember Josh Evans all the way back, yeah. a Titans defensive lineman, rest his soul, had a, an appeal uh, over a PED suspension, and that they just would not come to a conclusion, would not come to a conclusion. This was early 2000s. And, you know, I remember writing, I was way back at the Tennessee and saying, like, you have to tell them at some point so that they can make their, their plans, set their lineup. This, by comparison, is, is early. But that, there, that, is, there is no general timetable as to if your guy does something, when can you expect to know so that you can plan? There just isn't. And, and in that regard, you're absolutely right. But, there but should be some I kind agree. of standard. I, I, I agree with everything you just said, Paul, except for the fact that literally last year I can point to the NFL and how they handled Deshaun Watson, where we didn't know if the guy was eligible to play or not. Other, I mean, technically he was because he was on a roster. Yeah. And well, what the bailed Texans would have known about this last offseason. He was going to hold out. So that but bailed everybody out. Point being, the Saints know that there's discipline coming. I would expect the Texans thought the same thing last year, last offseason. But the Texans, never, even before never that, Texans even before that had Deshaun Watson saying, I'm not playing for you this year well, and demanding they, a trade. But it, it's, yeah. it's tough to go by that standard of, well, it's okay because he didn't want to play there and probably no, wasn't going to play the way. That. They jumped on it. They that. jumped they on it, it, but you need to get something consistent. And, and we can debate the merits of what the NFL should do to help a team that employs someone who got themselves in trouble, right? I mean, we could say, well, maybe that's part of the punishment is the uncertainty. You drafted a guy or you brought a guy in, he gets busted, then you're going to have to wait until we're ready. We sort it And you're going to have to figure it out on your own as to what to do. Again, debatable. But here's what's not debatable. Come up with a standard and execute it with every team. If that's a timeline, if that's whatever, every team needs to have – the same ability to know in order to roster build for their team. That, that's going to be important for everyone. You can't let one drag on while you come up with a clear and quick solution with another team that helps that team find a replacement for that player, do something different in the draft, free agency, whatever, where you're penalizing another team. Well, you can't, but they can, and they do, over and over. And I think what they'd say is every case is different. Every case has its own timetable. This is devil's advocate here. I, know, I don't I agree know. with it. That's exactly what well, they'll say. And, you know, we can't control the, the clock on what our investigations turn up or the pacing of uh, a, a felony case. Um, so it just happens here's, as here's it happens. What we're, here's what we're learning right now, what the rest of the public is learning. Roger Goodell works for the 32 NFL oh, owners. Sure. 
Okay? So it's fine if you screw the Houston Texans because the other 31 will be like, well, tough okay. break on the Houston Texans. But if enough teams get screwed over by this with timing, then enough of the owners going to come together and say, well, yeah, we need to come up with some better plans in terms of how we administer punishment in a timely fashion where we're not left in limbo for too long. Who, so, but it's going to have to take enough teams to, to have a, that affect them to do it. I say this tongue-in-cheek, but uh, who was the coach of the NFC last year in the Pro Bowl? I know Vrabel coached the AFC. Would have been uh, the losing team of the NFC championship game. San Francisco? Uh, Shanahan? Yes, Mike Shanahan. Oh, uh, Kyle Shanahan. Um, Kyle Shanahan. Yes. Um, so, Mike would have been really something. Yeah. That game. So <laughs> Dennis Allen knows that discipline's coming. Kyle Shanahan and, and Goodell admitted at the, at the pre-Super Bowl press conference, the NFL knew about this and allowed him to play in a Pro Bowl. But now, that, so I just hate the, the back and forth with how they make up the rules as they go because it makes it extremely hard um, for shows like ours that attempt to be accurate and fair and down the middle on exactly how things are and the process will play out. The honest truth is, Florio and all these guys have no idea if it's going to be based on whether or not the legal system plays out. Um, the legal system wanted to speak with Alvin Kamara, and Roger Goodell admitted they knew it and let him play, and then uh, dealt with it later. I, I, it, it, it's, <laughs> that, that's the most can, questionable can thing. Can we also out of all just it's talk so about the, BS, ab- the like, absurdity of taking the risk to play Alvin Kamara in a Pro Bowl? Are we defending the sanctity of the Pro Bowl? Like, why do you not just not? No. What's yeah. what's Alvin Kamara's value to the Pro Bowl? I mean, I, you know this happened. Okay, you're not playing the Pro Bowl. We'll figure it out. You're about to get arrested. Like, why would you jump well, through hoops a little thin or delay on the depth chart at running back for the Pro Bowl? I get it if he's getting ready for the Super Bowl. And no, they even find the Super Bowl a, would even be even worse. It'd yeah. be worse, but at least I could come back and defend. It's the Super Bowl. We're defending the sanctity of the Super Bowl, and we didn't want to screw up our big day. The NFL's big day is not Pro Bowl oh, Sunday. Man. No one gives a damn. So why protect a guy to play in the Pro Bowl? That is the strangest part of this whole well, story. And also Las Vegas police is saying, well, yeah, okay, we're cool. If you want us to wait, we'll, we'll arrest them coming off the field instead of going on to it. I mean, it sounds like they're completely on the take from the NFL, <laughs> yeah. right? You call, let oh, me yeah. call my guy with the L- LVPD, and I'll make sure yeah. they uh, serve that warrant post yes. post handshake. What time would you like us to at do the it? Pro Bowl? Yeah, just tell us what he'll be wearing so that we can recognize it. So Alvin Kamara faces a suspension. Uh, Florio says it could be up to six games. No one really knows. Uh, maybe he's right. It'll be appealed no matter what. And we don't know when the timeline is for when this is going to be handed down or if they're going to wait for the legal process to play out. Like, insert player name here, and that's the routine answer for anything we'll discuss on this because it can change based on the, 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 the forecast of whatever the league feels like they need to react to at the time. By the way, while we're talking suspensions, one note on Deshaun Watson, and I, I was unclear on this. I, I initially thought it to be the case, then I thought not. Roger Goodell, once he gets um, the recommendation, the, the recommendation, not the recommendation, the the discipline from Sue Robinson, is it? Yes. If it's appealed and it comes to him, he can lower it or raise it. So 
he basically can do anything, <laughs> anything he wants. So, I mean, he remains judge and jury. It's just an intermediate step here. So I don't know how much the players gained. We'll find out once we see this happen can, one Can, can you imagine time. parenting like that, going to your kid and saying, hey, um, I'm going to give you this punishment, but you can lower it or raise it no. once I give it to you. We well, will. I, or I'm going to give it to you, but then your mother can just do whatever she wants. This is just kind of a, I'm putting it on hold. From raise to all rise, we discuss Judge and the Yankees next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. Aaron Judge and the Yankees avoid the arbitration ruling on salary. They've agreed both sides to a $19 million salary for 2022. He's still on track to be the, the, the free agent after this year, and... The fascinating part about just betting on yourself, it's it's commendable to bet on yourself and win. And, and even if, even if it, it backfires on you, you're believing in your ability. But the ability to turn down what he was reportedly offered and then to bounce forward with the season that he's having is remarkable to me. Probably. I, crazy money was offered his way, over 250 Probably fun, too, to have the arbitration deal uh, done after a walk-off oh, la- uh, last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Wrapped a, what would have been a double, but they only needed a single uh, into the corner last night to drive in a winning run, where they come back from 6-3 down in a game of three-run three, three run home runs against the Astros, who are a pretty good team. Uh, it's been twice in the last uh, – couple nights that I've given up on the Yankees thought I, I think there's something about watching them in Tampa Bay watching any game in Tampa Bay it just makes oh, you want yeah, to turn it's it dark off and it's like it's like Dayton Ohio yeah so even though <laughs> the Rays gray. yeah even though the Rays are pretty good and those are compelling games feels minor league even when yeah, it's not I turned it off a couple times but last night they were down 6-3 and I felt like even for the Yankees it was insurmountable and uh and they get a three-run jack from a guy who's terrible Aaron Hicks and Judge wins it I, I they met Look, in the middle a, on this ball. I'm a was, little he was nervous. Offered, he was offered 17. Uh, 17 was the bottom number. 21 was the and top the number, middle. and they, they met in the middle. I, 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 I'm like you. Like, I can't conceive of a situation where he's not re-signed to a big you know, record-breaking deal after this season. You can punch a few holes in him in that uh, his first season and this season are the only season so far where he's been healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, and can you know, he get he's, better he's than everything, this year? everything you want. Uh, he's a little older than most of the guys who've gotten their big contracts as compared to Trout and, uh, and um, Harper. But um, <clears throat> just the idea of him playing for somebody else would sicken any Yankee fan, and uh, George Steinbrenner would roll over in his grave. <laughs> you know, if they go win the World Series like they should this year um, – to, to follow that up with him leaving would be, you know, a New York tragedy. I can't imagine they'd let that happen. But there's a small part of me compared to previous Yankee stuff that feels like there's a possibility. I, that previously, uh, I, you know, previous guys, I would have said never, never, never. 
doesn't have to be a New York tragedy when he stays in the city and goes to the Mets <laughs> after this season. Oh, that would be a super tragedy. Which is a, a possibility. Um, he is plus he, By the way, if he went to the Mets, he would get back. Typically, yeah. And they'll be paying him money like they do Bobby Benito. I don't know. If, if, for like 30 more years, probably. Like if, if I'm countering re-signing him to a mega contract, I don't know if he can play better based on his availability and how he he's... He is plus 100 to win the AL MVP right now. Uh, that's how far away. He's, I think, at five or six more home runs in second place in baseball at this point. I mean, he is uh, on a just astronomically better than he's been right now this year. So it's it's the right time to be playing this way. I bet Not him, that he's been bad, but he's no, very yeah. good this year. I bet him to win uh, the home run title. And uh, I look at the payout pretty frequently. So right now, on a $5 bet for him to be the regular season home run leader, I could cash out for forty two fifty two on what would pay me 90 bucks. How long do I sit on that? I would cash out and bet on someone else below him at high odds right now to win it, and then cash out on that if that guy I've also got up. five bucks on uh, Giancarlo Stanton, which would pay one forty-five. Right now, I could cash out for a dollar fifty-two. Coming up, how long we lasted watching the NBA draft last night? We we want to compare notes. We don't know the length of uh, each of our viewing uh, pleasure last night with the association. And there's a player in the NBA that became two years younger overnight for NBA teams. Details next.